And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first, the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We do thank you and we praise you that uh, you are present here with us now. You are present here with us to serve us uh, by means of your word. You feed us with your word. Your word is the bread of life. So Lord Jesus, we ask that you would break the bread of life before us today. Give us your Holy Spirit that we would have eyes to see ears to hear, and hearts to receive. It is only by your grace that we can receive these things. So we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we looked at the account uh, from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 10, the account of the rich young ruler. This young ruler who came to Jesus uh, with a question, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him a response, what is written in the law? And uh, this rich young ruler, I believe with sincerity, believed that he had kept the law. But then Jesus, looking at him, in Mark chapter 10, verse 21 and 22 says, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. A rich young ruler who chose earthly wealth, earthly possessions over following Jesus and inheriting the kingdom of God. You see, this rich young ruler was not willing to give up earthly gain to follow Jesus and to inherit eternal life. He wasn't willing to give up that which he had for the sake of Jesus Christ. So this then uh, begs a, a question for us this week. What is the cost of discipleship? What is the cost of discipleship? What does Jesus require of us as disciples of his? 
Now, I hope you know this. I hope you know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are his disciple. Every baptized believer is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that might make us feel a little uncomfortable because we think, well, there were 12 disciples. And do I really fit into that category of, of being a disciple? But yes, you are a disciple. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. All who believe and are baptized are made his disciples, those are who are to follow him. So what is, what is the cost of discipleship? What does Jesus require of us as his disciples? Well, first off, we need to realize this, and this really comes to light in Jesus' interaction with uh, this rich young ruler. The cost of discipleship requires everything. It requires everything. The cost of discipleship is the highest possible cost. It's the highest possible cost to us relationally and even physically. Now Jesus might not be telling you to literally sell everything, to literally sell all of your goods and give it give your goods to the poor. The call of, of discipleship doesn't always include a call to sell everything, but we need to be willing to give up everything for the sake of the call. You might not be asked to sell everything, but as a disciple, you need to be willing to let go of everything that you have in this world. Everything that is given to us, every good gift that is given to us, we must be willing to let go of. One of my seminary professors, Galen Matthiasen, uh, he was also one of our missionaries to Japan. Uh, he now teaches at our seminary, training pastors and missionaries for the ministry. Galen told the story of selling his family's possessions at a garage sale in preparation of moving to Japan. And he told the story of, of his son in tears. And uh, his son was in tears because they had just sold his son's wagon. And somebody was taking the wagon to their house. And there the son was in tears. You see, the cost of discipleship is the highest possible cost. To follow Jesus is really to give up everything. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33 today. And St. Luke's gospel, the 14th chapter, says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and, uh, turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross... You know what it means to bear a cross? It means that you're willing to face persecution and even martyrdom for the sake of the gospel. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? 
Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus tells us the cost of being a disciple is the highest cost. It is the highest cost to us relationally and physically. Many who convert, convert who those who come to faith in Jesus Christ and live as disciples, they're forsaken by family. They're forsaken by community. They daily live at risk of their own lives. The highest cost physically. Many who convert and live as disciples suffer persecution and death. I have a video for you today. It's uh, a video about the suffering of Christians in Syria. Most of us know that over the last several years there's been great difficulty for the church in Syria. So do we have that, Alex? Can we show that video now? Can you imagine these, these rules? I feel very sorry for what, what has happened. Really. How long will this go on for here? I don't know. God alone knows. God alone knows. We have something more important than anything else that makes us stay in the country. Well, that something is the life-given message from the Lord. And we are kind of ambassadors of the Lord. We know that many countries that withdrew their ambassadors, which is bad enough. But if heaven withdrew its ambassador from the country, it's a disaster. Our privilege is not that we are able to leave. Our privilege is that we are able to stay for such a time in the country. And I always say this statement, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart. There is a lady in Homs area who insisted to stay during this difficult time just to reach out to those families and women who are in need. She's risking her life literally every day and she goes from home to home just to, you know, check on those families and see what they need, what they, you know, da daily problems, give them some support, uh, buy them, just imagine, buy them meat and bread and stuff like that. 
So she is a true soldier of Christ during this difficult time. Uh, who dares to go to homes these days? I mean, it's very risky, very, very dangerous. Yet, she is doing this on daily basis. She goes from home to home and check on children because she's a Sunday school teacher. And she tries to keep the children busy with Bible verses. So she memorizes those Bible verses with them on the phone, and then she goes and visits with them, and they would say it, you know, uh, by heart to her. And she does this on a daily basis. She goes and checks on her uh, children and women in church, and she's, she doesn't care about, you know, her own life. It's very obvious that the Lord is doing something uh, amazing. Many people are coming to the Lord and uh, many people say, we, we thank God, although we, we lost everything, but we still, uh, we, we want our souls or we want Christ in our lives. And the Lord is working and actually the church have a vision. There is a very obvious vision that this is the time for the church. This is the day for the church. I believe the Lord has been preparing the church for this day. So we, we feel very strongly that this is uh, our time. Living as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it costs us everything. It costs us everything. Just ask those who live in persecuted parts of our world the cost that their faith comes with. Now in our gospel lesson, Jesus says it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus say this? Well, I believe that the more we become attached to what this world offers, the more difficult it becomes to be willing to let go of everything to follow Jesus in his mission as his disciples. The more that we accumulate in this life, it becomes so difficult for us to be willing to say, Jesus is first, and I'm willing to let go of all of it for the sake of the mission. And our gospel lesson also reveals that the disciples were astonished at what Jesus said about the rich. If the requirement of discipleship is, is so high, then, then who can be saved? Who then can enter into eternal life? Mark 10, 26 and 27, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible. With man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Here is the key to understanding the true motivation to true discipleship. Here's the key to understanding the motivation to let go of everything to follow Jesus Christ. What is the motivation? The motivation is the gracious action of God upon our lives. It is the gracious action of God upon our lives that motivates us to, to give up everything to follow him because we have come to understand and we have come to know 
that what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has provided for us, what Jesus has bestowed upon us is far better than anything that this world can give to us. We don't give up everything to follow Jesus so that we can earn the kingdom and everlasting life. We can't earn salvation. We can't earn a position as disciples. So we don't forsake all to earn the kingdom, to earn eternal life, to earn discipleship, to earn the forgiveness of sins. There's nothing that we can do to earn these things. Even if, if, I, if I went out with this motivation to earn my salvation and I gave up everything and I went and I served God with all of my heart, if I was trying to earn my salvation through that sort of a lifestyle, it never would be enough. It would never be enough. There aren't enough good works that I can do to earn God's gracious gift. We forsake everything because, because God has graciously bestowed his salvation upon us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he has graciously made us his disciples. It's all by grace. And it's that grace which then motivates us then to be willing to give up everything for the sake of the kingdom. You see, with man, the achievement of salvation by works is impossible, and that really is the point that Jesus was trying to make to the rich young ruler. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You need to recognize your sin. And for the rich young ruler, it was the sin of idolatry. He put his possessions before God. And Jesus really wanted this rich young man to understand his sin and his need for grace and mercy from God Almighty. With man, the achievement of salvation by works is impossible. You can't do enough. You can't sacrifice enough. It can't be earned. Salvation is a free gift of grace apart from works. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is, that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we were all, all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of, of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast. None of us can stand up here and say, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I have given up. Look at what I have sacrificed. God must be pleased with me. None of us can say that. None of us can boast. Because it's all a gift of his grace. For we are his workmanship, 
You are his workmanship. God's grace has been bestowed upon you. And so now you've been transformed to be his workmanship. Created, made alive, born again in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I ask this question, how can we not give up everything for such a gracious Savior? How can we not be willing to give up everything in light of what Jesus has done for us? See, the motivation to give up everything is the gracious work of Jesus which has been bestowed upon us. Jesus did it all for you. And so we follow him with freedom, with, with joy, with willingness, wherever he leads. One of my favorite movies is The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. It's based on uh, the, a very old book by Alexander Dumas. In the movie, and I assume in the book, I've actually never read the book. <laughs> Maybe I should read the book. Uh, but in the movie, Edmund uh, Dantes uh, had escaped from an island prison called the Chateau d'If. And he, he managed to swim from this island prison to shore only to encounter fierce and deadly smugglers. So in the movie, it, it shows him sort of that, that famous movie scene, awake on the beach. He, he kind of comes to his senses. He made it to shore. Then he realizes that he's free, and he runs up and down the beach. And then all of a sudden, he notices these, these uh, smugglers, these tough guys are there, and they're staring at him. The smugglers were going to use Edmund. The smugglers needed to settle a score against one of their fellow compatriots named Jacopo. Jacopo, a smuggler of many smugglers, had kept some of the stolen gold for himself. And they were angry at Jacopo, and they were going to punish Jacopo by burying him alive. But the captain really didn't want to kill Jacopo. He was a the best knife fighter he's ever seen, and he was a good smuggler. And many of Jacopo's friends wanted the captain to show him mercy too because they also liked Jacopo. Uh, but the captain couldn't show mercy because then the captain would look weak and then he'd lose control of his entire crew. So he had a dilemma. So when Edmund came ashore or washed ashore, a, uh, from the island prison of Chateau d'If, it afforded the captain another option. Let Jacopo fight this haggard man who had washed ashore. Let Jacopo fight Edmund to the death. There would be a knife fight. And then he felt that his crew would be satisfied by the sport of watching this fight. And then if Jacopo won, then Jacopo would be set free. The other smugglers would be entertained and satisfied, and then they could move on. 
They never thought that Edmund would, would win the knife fight. The captain thought it was impossible. So a knife was given to Edmund Dantes. Jacopo was untied. He was given a knife. The fight proceeded, and to the surprise of Ed, everyone, Edmund quickly and easily beat Jacopo. But Edmund didn't kill Jacopo. Edmund pleaded for the life of Jacopo before the captain. Edmund said, spare Jacopo and you will keep Jacopo alive and have yet another able smuggler and fighter for your crew. So you'll get two for one. The captain said, it's a deal. It's a deal. Both lived. He spared Jacopo. Jacopo lived. Edmund lived. It was a deal. After Edmund Dantes spared Jacopo, because Edmund had pleaded for Jacopo's life, Jacopo grabbed Edmund and said, I am your man forever. I am your man forever. And if you know the story, Jacopo did follow and he did serve Edmund, who then became the Count of Monte Cristo on his quest for revenge. How could Jacopo not commit his life to Edmund Dantes after Edmund had spared his life? Jesus saved you. Jesus brought you from death to life. Jesus gave his life for your life. This is the motivation. This is the motivation of giving up everything to follow him as a faithful disciple. We are saved by grace, something that we do not deserve. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is why we sing amazing grace. It's amazing. It is amazing. To sell our possessions and give to the poor comes without question. God has moved upon us sinners in grace to make the impossible possible. It's impossible for us to be saved in and of ourselves. But with all things, but with God, all things are possible. Our salvation is our transformation to become disciples of Jesus who give up everything, even worldly luxury, to follow Jesus. So I ask you this question today, what is Jesus asking of you? What is he asking of you today as his disciple? How's Jesus messing with you? What's Jesus telling you? What's Jesus calling you to do and to be? Don't miss the adventure. Don't miss the adventure of living in his grace 
as a disciple of his? How is he working in your heart? What's he calling you to do? Are you willing to follow? Mark 10, 29 through 31, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus says don't worry about the earthly stuff. Don't worry about the earthly stuff. He says, I've got that covered. I've got that covered. The earthly stuff is is for me to figure out. I'll take care of all of that. I'll take care of you. I'll provide it for all that you need in this life. Follow me. Follow me. And I'll take care of the details. How can we not let go? How can we not follow him? after he has bestowed his grace upon us. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have given everything for us and for our salvation. Lord Jesus, as we now pause and reflect upon our lives, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would evaluate our lives in light of your word today Truly reflecting upon that which we have made priorities, which may not be a part of your call and your plan for our lives. Fill us with the knowledge of your grace so that by your power at work within us, we would be willing to let go to let go of of whatever is, is holding us back or hindering us from living as your disciple. And Lord, we also pause and we reflect upon your sacrifice. The sacrifice of your body which was broken. The sacrifice of your blood which was shed for us and for our forgiveness. We pause now. And we prepare our hearts to receive the sacrament of your holy body and blood. Take a moment now in silence. Do business with God. Talk with him. Reflect upon the message today. Reflect upon your life. And reflect upon the grace of Jesus given to unworthy sinners.